Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. Diana Feldman received an unusual text from her 14-year-old daughter, Susanna, late last month. Written in broken German, the message said she'd be back home in a few weeks. Don't look for me, she said. But the message was not from Susanna. She had already been raped and strangled. Her body was dumped in a shallow grave next to railroad tracks, a few miles from her hometown in western Germany. To explain this murder, we need to rewind to three years earlier, when German Chancellor Angela Merkel faced a crisis. Millions were fleeing the humanitarian catastrophes in Iraq and Syria and heading to Europe. And the enormous flow of people was placing unsustainable pressure on landing ports in Greece and threatening the territorial integrity of the Balkans. Conflict rages on in Syria, driving millions across the country's borders. The number of Syrians fleeing their country has been increasing. European nations are facing the problem of how to deal with them. Across Europe, the number of Syrians seeking asylum has doubled in the last year, while the numbers crossing into Bulgaria are ten times higher than last year's average. Merkel responded by opening Germany's borders, subsequently letting in a mix of genuine asylum seekers and economic migrants. One of the beneficiaries was Susanna Feldman's killer, Ali Bashar, a 20-year-old Iraqi Kurd. Bashar entered Germany in October 2015 with his parents and was a problem from the beginning. According to the BBC, he was allegedly tied to a robbery, possession of a weapon, and a sexual assault on an 11-year-old girl in the refugee shelter where he lived and dealt drugs. Bashar's asylum claim was rejected towards the end of 2016, but he was allowed to stay in the country while he appealed the decision. Over 18 months later, when he killed Susanna, a decision on his appeal had still not been made. Days after his crime, Bashar and seven other members of his family returned to Iraq. However, he was tracked down by Kurdish authorities and extradited to Germany. Bashar has since admitted to killing Susanna. Unfortunately, this tragic case is not isolated. Today we're going to discuss how Merkel's leadership is threatened by killings, immigrants, and open borders. Here's Robin Simcox, Heritage's Margaret Thatcher Fellow. Hi, Robin. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you. Robin, what are some of the consequences that Germany is facing because of stories like Susanna Feldman's? Well, I I think stories like Feldman's bring home the fact that there are consequences to accepting such large amounts of people into your country when you essentially have no idea who they are. I mean, Merkel obviously viewed this as a kind of humanitarian move, and and I think some lives are saved. But as is clear with uh, stories like Susanna Feldman's and others, there are also lives that have been lost, and and hers is not an an isolated case. So there are political consequences. Well, quite, yeah. Um, And there is an ongoing... uh, dispute in Germany at the moment, it actually almost led to the collapse of the of the German government this week, um, where the German interior minister has been very keen to start saying, well, migrants, refugees, asylum seekers turning up at Germany's borders should be sent back to their initial port of entry into Europe. 
And Chancellor Merkel, who's obviously very wedded to this issue, I mean, this issue is entirely identified with her, essentially, the refugee flow in Europe, um, is concerned about the effect that would have on a coherent EU-wide policy and is pushing back against it. At the moment, they've kind of reached a temporary compromise where there's a the, uh, there's going to be a two-week cooling-off period while Merkel can see what kind of consensus she can come up with in Europe, but the, the issue isn't finished by any means. And it's true, right, that there's an alternative party running against Merkel that's actually gaining momentum. Who Who is that party? Well, yeah, this is the, the kind of outsider party alternative for Deutschland, the AFD, anti-immigrant party, uh, considered a, a kind of nativist party. Um but gaining popularity, and I think gaining popularity and gaining millions of votes at the uh, the election last year, not because Germany is uh, inhabited with millions of racists, but because regular Germans, ordinary Germans who go about their daily life and see kind of uh, not just the the cultural impact that accepting such large amounts of people has had in terms of like changing their neighborhoods, but also that there are very clear... Um, security consequences. So like, it didn't used to be the case in Germany um, that people were being at uh, Christmas markets were being run over with trucks. Um, it didn't used to be the case that there were suicide bombings outside music festivals. It didn't used to be the case that uh, people on train were attacked with axes. All these things have happened as a direct consequence of of Merkel accepting these, uh, these asylum seekers. So it does it really all stem back to Germany taking in too many people? Yeah, I think I think the, there were too many, certainly. I mean, and, and too many, not just because I think any society, but especially the case in Europe, which has traditionally done a poor job, I think, integrating newcomers. But any society taking in two million odd people in two years is an extraordinary strain uh, on that country on its uh, basic services on what any any society can take in terms of a, a major change in uh, of people accepting people from a different culture but also from a security point of view i mean if you i mean germany didn't know who these people were there was a there was a pass, uh, passports identity papers were either lost or deliberately destroyed because they knew it would make it almost impossible for the german government to know where to send them back to um I would challenge any country in the world that accepts that amount of people in short, such a short space of time with no knowledge of who they are to come out of it unscathed from a security perspective. I think it's just impossible. Has crime increased in Germany because of this? I know there's been there have been <laughs> tweets that have been made headlines yes. due to that. Yes, President Trump has been engaged in this issue. I mean, look to me, this is a really interesting case, which sort of sums up, to me at least the Trump phenomenon, why he's gained some popularity. So President Trump uh, tweets out that crime has gone up in Germany. And a whole host of people fire back, say, well, no, if you look at the statistics, crime's going down. And, 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 and crime did go down last year. But, and there's a very large but on this, um, violent crime, there's one recent study showing that violent crime had gone up by over 10% in 2015 and 2016. And 90% of that increase was because of violent crimes committed by male refugees recently arrived into the country. Um, it's also true that uh, the terrorist threat facing Germany mushroomed after the arrival of all these people in 2015 and 16. 
And so there's people focusing on the fact that, well, you know, technically if you look at all sorts of crime, uh, it's going down in Germany or it did last year. But, you know, Trump, if you look at violent crime and terrorism, then it tells you a different story. And that seems to me a pretty big caveat. And it, it gets to a very interesting thing, I think, where Trump, you know, you could argue he's technically wrong, but ultimately I think he has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in Europe better than his critics because, um, look, if, if, if people want to say that everything is going swimmingly well in Germany at the moment and that it was a smart idea to let in millions of people when you had no idea who they were, if that's the idea that the the kind of like the the argument that Trump's critics are going to live and die by, I think they're in trouble. And I, I, I think it's not one that would be supported by Europe more broadly. Robin, you recently did a study on terror plots in Europe. Can you talk a little bit about your findings? Because Germany's a big part of that. Yeah. Well, so my, my report looked at the, um, from 2014 to 2017, all the plots in Europe that have been perpetrated by asylum seekers and refugees. Um, and it's not a, uh, it's, that's not the majority of plots in Europe. I mean, 16% of, of all plots in Europe featured asylum seekers or refugees. But the country that was targeted most often was Germany. The threat in Germany is not primarily homegrown. It is primarily from abroad. That's not the case in all countries. In France, for example, there's much more of a homegrown threat. But in Germany, it's largely from refugees and asylum seekers. The Berlin vehicular attack I referred to was was one of those people. And the report makes the points out and shows that the radicalization of these asylum seekers, it can they can either be radical beforehand, they can be radicalized in Europe itself, but generally they tend to attack within two years of arrival, almost 75% of people. So there's a very clear need for governments to be proactive in uh, not just being more discerning about who they accept, but also make sure that radicalization isn't taking place in refugee centers. And to be frank, send those people back much more quickly when they shouldn't be here. I mean, the report points out specific examples, such as the, the vehicular attack in Stockholm and in Berlin, of uh, terrorists who had had their applications rejected but were in the country anyway. I think you've got to find a way of expediting that process. What I mean, Do you think there's real risk to, losing, to Merkel losing leadership? Well, Merkel is a very canny politician, and she's survived, I mean, largely politically unscathed, despite, I think, making a calamitous decision in 2015 to open Germany's borders. She's in probably more trouble now than she's ever been. Um, I'm, I, I, I feel like she will find a way of muddling through um, because she has in the past, and, and I, think she's, I think she's a, a canny political operator. But the more broader impact on German society, I, I do feel like when we're looking at the rise of these kind of outsider parties, um, the populist movement more broadly, I, do, I think they've still got a lot more gas in them. And I think they will continue to pick up popularity as long as politicians like Merkel and other mainstream uh, politicians fail to deal with, not only deal with the challenge, but also accept that they made a mistake in this. Look, 
people read the news and they see what's going on, they know that these terrorist attacks that keep happening in Europe, it didn't used to happen with this much regularity. And they're not blind when they look at the perpetrators and the backgrounds of some of the people behind it. Again, it's very important to kind of point out that homegrown terrorism radicalization is a big problem in Europe. But if you're going to accept that, which is is clear, you also have to have the bravery to say, but there's also an element of it that's been imported in. And I think that's the part of the conversation we really struggle to have in Europe. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Heritage Explains. Today's podcast was inspired by Robin's recent op-ed in The Daily Signal. I'll link to it in our show notes and also put a link up to his recent report that we mentioned. See you next week. Hi, this is Rob Bluey, Vice President of Publishing and Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal. If you liked hearing about the issues that Washington's not discussing, check out Underreported, a brand new video series from The Daily Signal looking at other issues that the mainstream media forgot to mention. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero with editing by Thalia Rampersad. 